Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 35 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church, and I'm with my friend, media pastor Josh Harrell. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's going. Yeah. It is. Sweet. We took the day off yesterday. Uh, yeah, we were we recording did. on a Tuesday right now, yeah. and uh, we took... It's actually in our employee handbook for holidays for the staff. Jesus is Life Monday. So the yes. Monday after our Jesus is Life weekend, it is a paid holiday yep. for the staff. So did you rest? No. I did, <laughs> I did stuff at the house. Well, yeah, you just moved. You got yeah. children's yep. and things. And We're painting still. Are you still painting? Uh, I'm slow at it. Well, I'm sorry. I need I mean, to come you, over and help you paint. You can only do it like when the kids are asleep. So oh, it's like 9 yeah. o'clock. No. So like 10. No. Is the time to paint. No. Well, thanks. I need to come over and help you. So, um, But yeah, so Jesus is Life. It was fantastic. Pulled the trigger on that one. So listeners, you've probably heard us talking the last couple of times. We had Justin on and he, we were like, yeah, we're indoors this year. Yeah, we got host homes. And then no. No host homes. <laughs> and then no. <laughs> no, we're out. We're not indoors. Can you put together an outdoor one on Wednesday by we, Friday? Sure. Gotta go. Josh was like, all right, you've just given me 60 hours. I got to get off this phone call. Yeah, that's exactly Justin and I were like, okay, so maybe blah, blah, blah. And you were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, got it, got it, got it, got to make some phone calls. Yep. But, uh, hey, yeah, we had a fantastic Jesus' Life weekend. And, um, you know, we had weather and we had, you know, life. And um, God's name was not deterred from being lifted up and worshipped. And students gave their lives to Christ, praise the Lord. Yep. And uh, it wasn't our plans for it to be outside, but it was his. Yep. There you go. There you go. So it was, it was a fantastic weekend. Uh, I didn't do any a, a one thousandth of what you did for the weekend, Josh. And I was tired, so you had to be exhausted. So. Eh, it's... So I was trash pickup girl on Sunday. That was my. And job. I heard you filled some cups with ice. I did. I did some. I did some food serving. Yeah. I did some trash picking up. And I and I was part of the traffic, the parking team on Sunday morning. So that was fun. I love to do that. And you know that. that and I literally had ants in my pants because I stood oh, in an ant pile. So many ants. <laughs> my legs are eat up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I was doing the ants in your pants dance. Yeah. I know you won't toot your own horn for it, but I, but I'm gonna say it. Oh, it means a lot to see the lead pastor of church being on a trash pickup oh, well. or traffic or or food service on an event like that. Oh, I mean, well. because it doesn't happen very often, and uh, a lot of leader senior pastors want to be front and center, and you you have a servant's heart of what you teach from the pulpit and, hmm. it, and it shows well thank you josh i had some very good modeling for me um and some people that i've worked with in the past um that n- not that i was like oh well they did it so i better but mm-hmm. um it just kind of seems yeah. like the thing to do so yeah. so if well thank you for that and it's it's real easy for people to say well we don't see the pastor out here serving, just preaching to tell people to serve, and was like, no, you're, <laughs> you're usually on the front lines of it. And well, it's it's fun. I like it's a to great do that. example, and it's a great way to get to know people. Honestly, I, I enjoy. I love the Sundays when I could be on the parking team. Um, I just I don't know. I just like it. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved when I waited tables. I liked visiting with people and you know, scooting around and stuff. So I don't know. I think that's kind of in me to kind of be like that. Maybe that's why I was a PR major. I don't know, mm. but um. But yeah, you had an incredible team. Oh, uh, my team is amazing. Your tech team and just all that the the I can't even begin to go into what what all it Im- implied for the weekend for you, and then of course the band and mm-hmm. um, just great, great, great. So yeah, we're just stroking each other's ego here. Yeah, for a yeah. Minute yeah. Now. All right. So now that we're done with that, <laughs> no, it really was great. We just had lunch with staff. Um, we had a staff lunch and just talked about the weekend and how wonderful it was and and. Um, yeah, Justin um, and his leadership, and Allison, of course, and just just everybody. It was it was really great. So. 
Um, so today, Josh, on this uh, 35th episode of the 167, what's the 167 mean, Josh? It is the hour, if you go to church for one hour a week, mm-hmm. the, you have 167 hours left in your week. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to plug the gospel into those 167 hours? There you go. Well, today and we... You, huh? And today you've made a great choice by picking the fastest growing podcast in Valdosta. <laughs> Hang on, I did hear about someone else had a podcast. There's like a downtown Valdosta podcast. But uh, we're fat. we're better. <laughs> yeah. I did listen to it a little bit the other day, though. I listened to the intro of it, and yeah, so I was just like, wow, the, they've got accents. And I know I do, too, but I don't think I have an accent like that. I don't have an accent. You don't have a Douglas accent at Not all. Not at all. Yeah, so. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to go down this trail of... Uh, a little bit of sociology and economics, if you can believe that. And we're going to wind up where I like to wind up, which is with Jesus. Um, so I would say don't tune out if you don't fit into this category. But if you are like a business owner or a manager or an HR person or a teacher, or maybe you have your own business, I think today you'll especially like the topic, or at least you'll relate to it. I'm pretty sure about that. But it's going to be different. I think a different a different kind of conversation than we've had. So, are you ready for this? Are you ready, Josh? Let's do it. All right. So, so today's topic is actually courtesy of a question slash lively conversation that we had in our ministry board meeting last week. Um, in our time of of talking. Um, we got into this conversation, really good conversation, positive conversation, but it boiled down to the question of why is it so difficult to get people to serve or engage in the church? I mean, that's really, I don't think that exact question was asked, right? but I think when you heard different people and team leaders, like that's our what serve they were team saying leaders, without actually it's like, saying. why is this so difficult? Yeah. Um, so Josh, do you want to try to answer that, answer that question in 10 seconds or less? (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Well, let me ask you this. Have you heard of the 80-20 rule? I work at a church. Of course I've heard it. (laughs) What, what is that? What is your understanding of that definition? Uh, 20% of people do 80% of the work. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 20% of your church does 80% of your church's work. Okay. Okay. Would you say that is an accurate, um... Uh, statement for the porch community church yes yeah 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 i I haven't i wouldn't i need to look at our numbers and right now and see like our number of that would have been something cool to do if i would have found you know i know we've got like 370 member partners in ministry but that's not active right i mean then we have a lot of people that are active i would and then look at our serve teams i would say that because of covid the people a part of that 20 percent have changed like the oh, people that make it up have changed for sure. So is it more or less than twenty percent? Mm-hmm. I don't know because mm-hmm. I haven't been because it's been so like circle the wagons uh-huh. and let's get going again. Yep. So um, this this fall coming out of COVID is where we're really um, examining who we have and mm-hmm. where we can plug them in, and and we're establishing what the I hate to use the the new normal, what that is, mm-hmm. but I mean that's what we're doing. We're yeah. we're we're finally every able day is to, a new normal. Yeah, yeah we're finally like. able to take an overarching look at what post COVID current Delta variant looks like. Yeah, right now, right, you right. Know? And you touched on something that we're actually going to get into. You talked about the twenty percent it not being the same same people, right? But but that so we're going to get into that. So so yes, the eighty twenty rule: twenty percent of people do eighty. Um, we could say that the answer to the to the eighty twenty um, thing it actually goes back to the nineteenth century um, with with this the principle called the Pareto potato the Pareto principle potato principle the potato Pareto his name was Vilfredo Pareto <laughs> Frito Potato. Yes, he was Italian, very good, and he was this Italian sociologist, and he was an economist who, um, during his studies, actually, this was really interesting to me, it's not in the show notes, but um, he was looking at his garden, and he realized that he was growing peas, and he realized that only 20% of his peas were producing, 
of the pods. Peas in the pods for Pareto. He so, had some pathetic pea pods. <laughs> he did. He had very pathetic pea. Pareto had pathetic pea pods. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so he said, "Hmm." And he—he's the sociologist, right? He's this economist. He's a brilliant man. And so, in 1896, he realized after doing some study that approximately 80 percent of the land in Italy was owned by only 20% of the population. Mm. So he starts to think about this. And then he carries out this survey on other countries and looks and sees, and he finds that, to his surprise, there is a similar distribution applied in all these different countries. Yeah. And so then he and then other people, they extrapolate that information, and they end up finding out that this 80-20 rule is found in many, many facets of life. You start with the peas and the pod, and then you talk about land, and you see other countries have this. And so the Pareto principle is, um, it states that basically that for many outcomes, roughly 80% of consequences come from 20% of the causes. Yes. All right? So mm-hmm. whatever 20% does you get 80% of what 80% of whatever the happens results. right mm-hmm. and it's not a clear it's not meant to equal 100% I, a lot of people assume that's the case but that was not it no this was just the study that he did and they found so it's not like trying to equal 100% no because it's two different 100% correct like so it's you're, yeah. 100% of the causes yeah. only 20% is the main cause mm-hmm. but that Twenty percent of right. that is only producing eighty percent of another scale's results. Correct. Yes. For, very good. I'm, I appreciate that input there. That well, was I a actually good way did take it. sociology. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I did not. I knew potato. You knew Pareto. Yeah, Pareto. You knew Vilfredo Pareto. I know Frito Le Pareto. <laughs> so um, now, of course, there's other names to the principle. So there's the eighty twenty rule, right? It's also called um, the law of the vital, vital few, few, which sounds very serious and almost exclusive when you get down to it. So you kind of want to be careful with that. It but almost sounds like it could be a really cool. Like you're like, not vital, but you are. It could be like a very good like Law and Order spinoff. The Vital Few. Yeah. Dun dun. Yeah. I was waiting. Yeah. So here's a couple of, of the Pareto 80-20 rule examples. Um, 20% of criminals commit 80% of crimes. Hmm. 20% of drivers cause 80% of all traffic accidents. 80% of pollution originates from 20% of all factories. Wow. These are all kind of negative. I don't like that. Um, how about this one? 20% of a company's products represent 80% of its sales. So even if that company is producing tons of stuff, there's only 20% of their product that is really bringing in revenue. Yeah. Um, 20% of employees, uh uh-oh, let's talk about the staff here. Yeah. 20% of the employees are responsible for 80% of the results. Out of... (laughs) (laughs) If we break that down... Let's see. There's four Four full-times. That means one is doing something. <laughs> Depends on the week. Yeah. Depends and, on the week. And even that person isn't doing all of it. Yeah. Because it, they'd be 25%. That's right. Well, and here's a category I did not fall into often. 20% of students have grades 80% or higher. See, I would assume that was low. I would assume more people have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did grow up in Coffee County. C's was... get degrees. So yeah. it happens. I only got C's in math stuff, so. Art. So this this principle is seen really everywhere. This 80-20 Pareto principle is seen everywhere. A couple of other examples I want to get into, and yes, we will talk about Jesus. Um, But in in a 1992 uh, UN development report, it showed that the richest 20% of the world's population, they were generating... 82.7% 82.7% of the income that was being brought in. So only 20% of the world's population, they were bringing almost 83% of the world's income in. So that's yes. crazy. Um, in the United States, the top 20% of earners, they pay roughly 80 to 90% of federal income tax. That was a 2018 number. So yeah. that's the most recent number. Uh, here you go. In computer science, uh, Microsoft noted, I know you love Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Microsoft <laughs> noted that by fixing the top 20% of the most reported bugs, that 80% of the related errors and crashes in a given system would be eliminated. That's actually why when you buy like a video game now and uh-huh. you have to download all the stuff, yeah, is because 
they're waiting to see instead of fixing all the bugs. Yep. They fix the most common bugs. Oh. And it fixed 80 to 90% of the issues. So there might be a bug that's in there, but it's not having any sort of a... a Reverse effect on everybody. That everyone's so going, oh. So there's no point in fixing it. Right, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Here you go, Media Pastor. 20% of posts generate 80% of traffic. 100% true. <laughs> no, we're not talking about 100%. That's not... I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I mean, it's... I mean, it totally is true. Perfect, like if if people could see our back end of our social media. Hang on, now we don't need to be showing people our back end. That is not well, appropriate. It, it's so funny. It's like one or I try to post about ten to fifteen times a week mm-hmm. across the various platforms, and it's only about one or two that drives most of our interaction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there is no rhyme or reason why it's one of those one or two. Yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those things that. This might click this week, and next week it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really interesting to watch. Um, before we launched the Porch Community Church, one of this was a, a foundational philosophy for me as I was thinking about if I were ever to uh, be part of, of planting a church or launching a church, a new church, brand new, with without any history to it. Um, one of my foundational philosophies, which we have— we definitely instituted when we first got here, and I think we're still living by this, but it's not really a mantra that we say all the time. Right. But it was keep it simple, do it with excellence, review it often. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple, do it with excellence, review it often. It didn't matter what the it was. That didn't really fit on a sign. No, no. Keep it simple, do it with excellence, review it often. And with Pareto's principle as this rule, TPC could provide what I would say is of programs and opportunities that that typical churches provide and still meet the needs of 80% of the people, right? Okay. Um, So where maybe another church is doing, I don't know, 70 to (laughs) max and out 100% of any possible program you could possibly do, um, and and it is definitely maxing out resources and people and time and all this stuff, and they're not getting back any more on their investment. I mean... Mm. I've experienced that. I've been part of a church where I kind of saw that, where you just had all this output, but mm-hmm. you were getting, you know, you weren't increasing your your results. Does that make sense? Yeah, but with the way the principle works, whether you do five programs or 75 programs, right? it's not how many you do. Uh-huh. Only 20% of them, 20% of those programs are actually producing 80% of your results. Right. So... It's almost like you have to uh, go back and examine mm-hmm. the ones that are working and drop the ones that aren't yes. to maximize uh-huh. that 20% right. to grow past mm-hmm. the 20%. Because what you could say is, well, we're getting 20% either way, so why not let's just throw every, throw it to the wall and see if it sticks. Right. Well, the problem is, is that you need resources and time and people mm-hmm. and square footage in many cases to make those things happen. Mm-hmm. And... You know that's just not a, a resource that's just always going to be there. But if you're but if you're instituting slowly, mm-hmm. and you can review it and examine it, and right? Take take the time to is it getting? I hate to say ROI on ministry, uh-huh. but that's kind of how we're talking today. It, 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 yeah, I mean so, there is a return on investment. I mean, and we're going to look at some principles that Jesus taught us about yeah. that. So. so if you're not if you're looking at it and you're not getting an ROI, uh-huh. uh huh. Whether it's whatever who's Roy, whatever the determining return on investment is, uh-huh. whether it's uh, people, uh, decisions, whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting that, you're not getting right. the value out of having that mm-hmm. thing, whatever and, and, it is. Yes, and we should be examining that and mm-hmm. looking at that. And yes. whether you call it return on investment or not, um, it is, is this fruit? Is this fruitful? Mm-hmm. Is is this ministry? Is this moment? This event? Whatever. I, gu- I guess fruitful producing? would be the uh, Christian lingo for ROI. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. But I'm I'm cool with either one of those. So, um, and listen, I would say there's nothing inherently wrong with like weekly covered dishes, suppers, you know, at churches or Boy Scouts, you know, hosting the Boy Scouts or a preschool or a daycare or handbells or choirs and so on and all these other things, but. I knew, talking about launching the Porch Community Church, keeping it simple, we'd get a 
better return for the investment, there's the word, Mm -hmm. of resources, of people, of time, of energy, of passion. So we started with the essentials. We started with worship, with students, with kids, and community groups. Right. Um, I would say worship and students hit the ground running. I mean, I know there was a lot of, of speaking of back ends, there was a lot of back end work to making sure our worship service could happen and right. all the equipment and purchasing and, and installment that had to happen. But I think we hit the ground running. Our kids did a really good job hitting the ground running. And then there was this thing called COVID that came yes. along. Um, community groups, we got it going. But again, I think that was of the four, the one that was, it was the brand, it was the most brand new of everything. Right. We yeah. didn't have a community group structure that we brought with us. Right. That was the only thing that so we... So it was a birthed yes. ministry. And so it was the first casualty of, right. of COVID. It just, like, yeah. if, if it, you know, sucking the wind out of something. Yeah, yeah. You know. And then I think kids kind of came behind next. that eventually. And yeah. then, um, you know, students, shoot, they were going to meet no matter what. Um, and not in a rebellious way, but just like the desire to for them to do that was there. Um, and, and, and worship was not far from that. Now, there's a lot of things that happen with, like, for instance, worship. When we say the word worship, there's a lot of moving parts to that. Like, we're specifically, are we we're talking, are about, talking about corporate worship? I'm talking about, right, I'm talking about the worship services, right? Okay. And so you're talking tech, you're talking band, you're mm-hmm. talking all of the serve teams that go into place. Um, you do talk about porch kids with that because they coincide. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts Correct. that go with that. And so it looks on paper like, oh, yeah, they're, they're keeping it simple. But there were parts of it that were important. So then, like I said, COVID comes along. I mean, so here's what I would imagine if we launched after, you know, we launched in July of 2019. Things were going great. They were awesome. And imagine if we decided to launch several new programs with maybe some staff additions in January of 2020. We talked about it. We did. We had it budgeted. We yeah. had a we had a staff position budgeted. Yeah, um, we, were, we were we were, we were actively at, looking for a, a middle school slash community, you know, groups, community groups. Yeah, slash. We were kind of seeing who came along yeah, yeah. and kind of where their gifts. I mean, were. we were looking at next yeah. phase. Yeah. Of yeah, and I'm really glad we didn't hire because that person prob we probably would have had to let them go. You know, yeah. and that's like wow. So. Here's I, I got to interject this, and I, this could totally be a straw man argument, but I, I feel like it needs to be asked. Okay. Um, so should something like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, should it even be applied to church stuff? Is it, is it too secular? Is it too analytical? Is it too worldly? Is it not spiritual enough? Mm, I would say it's how... Um, we can interpret a spiritual entity and function mm-hmm. through our human worldly minds, and it's a way we can make sense of are we producing the right um, content, ministries, uh, for programs <laughs> for the people that God has given us to yes. uh, nurture. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a way. It's a worldly way for us as worldly beings to interpret what God has given mm, us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, that's a lot better than my answer. I thought I wrote. Obviously, I think it's totally fine. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I was trying to be deep over. But here, no, I, I loved your answer. But it's interesting because sometimes how people could get. And I said like like this could be a straw man argument. But I think well, I, I could I could picture yeah. some people going. Um, I think you're getting a little too much. Well, and see, people wince when I talk sometimes, too. Like, I'll use the words ROI, buy-in. Good old Roy. Um, yeah. Uh, sell it. You know, yeah, like production. I, I use a lot of marketing terms when, yeah. I talk, when I talk about spreading the gospel because that's, I mean, Jesus was a good marketer. <laughs> he really was. You know? He really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had the best, he had the best stuff. Yeah. But he was a good marketer. Yeah. So. Well, so and I think it's interesting because sometimes how people can get kind of kerfuffled by by principles or ideas that they think shouldn't be applied to the church or Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. But when you stop to think about it, and I was thinking about this last night, the author of the author of those principles and ideas is Lord. Yeah. So you know, so good old Vilfredo Pareto, 
you know, and many, many others, you know, like they have an author, like someone who created them. And so, you know, it's almost like, I don't know what Pareto's faith was, but I know who created him. Yeah. And who formed his brain and his intellect and his reasoning. And, and I think God must laugh sometimes when we, when we uh, mere humans think we've discovered something. You know, he's kind of like, yep, yeah, go ahead and put a name to that. If you want to add Vilfredo's name to that, yeah. good for you. Oh, you, know? you finally found yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Columbus discovering America. He did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure he did. Columbus Day. <laughs> oh. Um. <laughs> anyway, so there are several examples uh, that I want to point out uh, of the 80-20 rule in Scripture. Now, again, it, and they all involve Jesus, but remember the 80-20, it's not an exact science, of course. I mean, you could have like, you know, it could be 19 and say it's the principle it behind it. It equals 100, it. it's fact. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's the principle behind it. So I want to share a couple from Scripture. Uh, the first one is in Luke chapter 10. And it's verse 1 and 2 I want to read to you. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Then verse 2 of Luke 10 says, "There, These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now, notice in verse 2, Josh, he doesn't say the believers are few. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say the followers of Jesus are right. few. It's the people doing the work right. are few. Mm-hmm. And um, those who really get engaged in the work and the mission Those are few in number. And then notice, too, the urgency, the implication in this message. If you know farming, you know that you do not wait around and twiddle your thumbs when whatever needs to be harvested is ready to be harvested. Right. Um, You're going to be losing dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, you can just, like, flush it down the toilet if you don't harvest what needs to be harvested. Yeah. So, I mean, he's using this metaphor, and, and he's implying, like, there's urgent work that needs immediate attention and, and so he's calling this out in Luke 10. He says, the harvest is great, mm-hmm. but the workers are few. Right. You see the 80-20 rule there? Yes. There's, there's work that needs to be done, but it looks like 20% of the people are going to be doing this work. There's a whole okay. lot of work, not a lot of workers. I know you're not saying this, but I'm going to ask. Okay. So wouldn't this put more work or more emphasis on the works of those 20%? Hmm... Hmm. Well, but think about what is the what's what what is the work doing? It's mm-hmm. for the what? The harvest. Right. Okay. And so in the, in the parable that Jesus is speaking there, speaking about he's talking about there is a harvest and he's talking about people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So the end result is not to get workers, it's to for people to be brought to faith in Jesus Christ. Gotcha. Okay. So I would say that's the end result, not yeah. just to say we got 50 workers gotcha. you know, whatever. So, yeah. Uh, good question, though. Um, so here's another example showing what I would say is Jesus applying the 80-20 rule. Um, and you see this all throughout the Gospels. You see, you find Jesus spending time with the crowds and then occasionally with individuals, right? Like you, there are stories of him speaking to crowds. He's Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to these large groups of people. There's times when he has to push out into a boat because there are so many people on the banks and around that there's no place for him to go. So he pushes out in a boat a little bit so he can speak to the people. Mm-hmm. So you have these times when he's talking to great crowds, but then he's also with individuals. And we just saw in Luke chapter 10, I mean, you know this, he didn't just have 12 disciples. He sent out, he had chosen 72, 72 other disciples to go out. But we know this, he spent considerable time, focused time, three years worth of time with 12 disciples. Yes. And, and then even from those 12, he took Peter and James and John apart and spent time with them from the other nine um, for even more like intentional instruction and, and responsibility. And then you can even go so far as to say that John unashamedly would say that he was even the favorite of the three. So right. there was a conversation about that. So who knows if that's the case, but John <laughs> would tell you that that is. Yeah. Um, I've said this before, maybe in a sermon or whatever, but you know, when Jesus was here in human form, he was, he had human limitations. You know, he he, yeah. he had the limitations of a human, you know, 
person. Uh, he was fully God, but fully man while he mm-hmm. was here. And so Jesus could not spend the same amount of time with every single person. I mean, this is the whole reason he had disciples. Why have disciples if he could just be with everyone at one moment and say, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm Savior, come to me. So there was restriction on him. This yeah. is completely off topic. Okay. But could you imagine like just having the ability to <laughs> decide not to follow the laws of physics at any point? In wow. Time? Yeah, I don't, yeah. You yeah. know, you just said like he's fully mm-hmm. man and you just go, eh, but I need 15 more minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry, I know that's completely It's your comic off. book world coming alive right there. That's like, totally it's off topic, but it's timeline. like, gone. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Um, so he couldn't spend all this time, but he, he spent a majority of his time with a few. Mm-hmm. And he invested in them. There's that word again. Um, he invested in them so that they would be called better friends of Jesus. No, so that they could in turn do what? Invest in other people. Right. So Share the gospel. Right. So his his uh, intentionality was, okay, I'm going to spend 80% of my time with 20% of the people. Or right. actually, that would actually be a different number. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just using that as an example. Remember, it's not so much about the 80, 20 as it's it is. It's not about the numbers, it's the but principle. the differential. Yes, right. Um, and we spent, and I don't know if this goes off on a rabbit trail here, but we talked about this a little bit, I think, in the very first episode of our podcast. I think I brought this up, and I think I even said it's a podcast for another time, which I still don't know if this completely goes to it. But I know, for me personally, talking about the Porch Community Church and and me, mm-hmm. I know that I am, and again, people might not like this terminology, but I know I am most valuable in my gifts to the church by creating space in my schedule to um, pray, to be quiet, to study, to write, Mm -hmm. um, to read, um, to teach, um, and to intentionally invest in those who are going to be investing in other people. Right. Like, I know that is... and, and, And so I would say I'm living out of Ephesians 4, 11, 12, that says, um... Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So what might be the pastoral expectation based on the example of another pastor, right? And maybe at a smaller church or maybe on a bigger church with a larger staff. Yeah. So they have more people who can do more things, things. right? Um, maybe it's just in a completely different context, but, but the expectation for a pastor to be at every hospital visit, to be at every social event, to be at every community function and in every community organization, all that, I would be toast. Yeah. If I tried to live under that kind of a principle, some people might be able to do it. I cannot. Well, you don't have the gifts for that. I'm not wired that way. Yeah. I am not wired that way. Um, that's just not, that doesn't. Now, do I spend hours and hours, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. It sounds like it. I don't mean it that way. Uh, but do I spend many hours every week talking with people and praying with people and pastoring people? I do, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And I don't, uh, uh, you know, like, I'm not like, oh, man, I got to do this. Like, I, I, I know that that's something that, that I, I want to do and that God has put me in that place to do that. Well, but I, Yeah, and, and every church has different needs of their pastor. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, case in point was watching uh, you and Bob lead. Uh-huh. Y'all both had different ways of doing that, but you were both uh, perfect for what your congregation needed at the time yeah like bob was more into the social events and the hospital visits and stuff like that yeah and you weren't you were plugged into uh the events that the church was doing and and being there for when they needed you right then and there not Mm -hmm. at not to be a figurehead but to be someone that they could count on when they needed them Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was like pre pre launch, pre, yeah, pre yeah. before we went out. This was when we were still downtown. Um, I'm <laughs> I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, Josh, but 
This is what I know. Whenever I try to explain like the Ephesians 4 and equipping people and investing in people who can invest in people, and I know that's a gift of mine and and those things, um, I'm definitely not the pastor that you see like on in movies or TV shows or whatever who always seem to be like rearranging the hymnals when the lost soul comes into the cathedral at like midnight and the church happens to be open and there's the there's the wise wise priest in their full like robes and whatnot and they're just rearranging the hymnals you that know never makes sense. and they have just their just just folksy homesy you know uh wisdom to impart to to the lost soul and like i'm just no no i'm gonna be at home i need to sleep i'm in bed sorry but you say that <laughs> you come you up s- here and rattle the doors i'm not gonna be here you we don't have that. hymnals you say that yeah but you are the pastor that goes the chairs aren't right i'm not gonna ask anybody to f- <laughs> I'm not going to burden anybody else with it, and I will do it myself. That's just my OCD. They'll, they'll see you in shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> they sure will. <laughs> but you you are that pastor. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll take your, your, uh, your saying that. But, yeah, uh, very, t- very important to point out two things about Pareto's principle, which I think we've already done a little bit. The 80-20 rule is a precept. It's not a hard and fast mathematical law, right? It's not that. And the other thing is that the 80-20 rule can be misinterpreted often. And here's what I mean by that, because sometimes the misunderstanding is that people go, okay, well, if 20% of inputs are most important, then the other 80% are just, they must not be important at all. No, that's not how it works. No, that's not how it it works. It likes the skit. Like I was saying earlier, the scale shifts. Yes. Like people come and people go, scales, mm-hmm. we grow, the, the 20% gets bigger and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's not It's not a set in stone if we had 200 people, a 200 person church. It's not 40%, 40 people are the most important mm-hmm. uh, workers in the church. Right. It, it shifts as we get bigger or we get smaller. I mean, the needs, the needs that you feel as a church partner will grow and change as the church shifts and Yeah. And very true. It's so important to to not worry about the twenty percent, but do all that you can for the church and the cause of Christ. Right, right. That's what I'm saying, like that the if you want to call it the eighty percent, the eighty percent is important. The eighty percent is potential. The eighty percent is possible. And here's what I love. Jesus and his Jesus style in Luke fifteen, he sets up what I have just called the Jesus principle, just to to you know mirror the Pareto principle. And he does this by telling this parable in Luke chapter 15, verse 4. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? He will go find that one he sheep. He will. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Mm-hmm. That 1%. Yeah, so it's it's not a well. Well, if you're serving, you're you're better, or mm-hmm. it, you, those are more important. And, I, and even me, like I'm talking about, I know that one of my giftings and one of my responsibilities is I do need to invest in those who will invest in others. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the others are, you know, not important. Well, that that's also how you actually take, the others are important. Yeah. So I that's how you in. take that. That's how you take care of them because you yes. you do have the limitations of a human being. Yes. Yes. You know, that. I mean, we're a 375 partner church. Just partners, not not, not people that participants. Actually, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not enough hours in the day for a, all Any four of us. all four of us together. Yeah, yeah. To um to minister to people that attend our church the, mm-hmm. the way we can, but if we equip leaders, yep. to make these community groups or yep. small groups and like segment. Uh huh. The church as a whole. Yep. That's how. That is how. The porch community church. That's how. That's how people get visited in the hospital. Exactly. I mean, yeah, and that, that's how people get you know prayed mm-hmm. for, and, and that's how the love of church works. It's not in this big conglomerate. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the the pastoring staff raising up leaders mm-hmm. and pouring into those leaders, allowing them to take on their own. Um, I don't want to say like congregation, but their own little like uh, community. community. Yeah, and they're the they're the leader of that community. Like they're the they're the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that and that's how the church works. If you want to draw it out, it's a pyramid. 
<laughs> no, it's a triangle. But, um, I mean, that's yeah. That's, I want to shepherd the shepherds, and then they shepherd, shepherd and, the shepherds, yeah. and yeah. Yep. And that's how, and that's how that one percent doesn't get lost. That's right. That's right. And 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 no church or organization is going to be perfect in that. No, no I one mean, has it figured out. No, there is not a single. You look at any church anywhere in the world, and you pick up the one that you think's got it figured out, and then they will tell you where they <laughs> suck at it. Yeah, if if they're if they're being honest. Um, here is here's another um, example from scripture of the Pareto principle. Okay, this is the parable of the sower in Luke eight, right? And I'm not going to read it, but I think most of us know it, or it might you might know it as the parable of the soils, right? Oh, when you said sower. Sower, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, the sowing seed. Uh, But listen to this. So we don't know the percentages exactly, but imagine seed being thrown out in four kinds of soil, right? There was the well-worn path, there's the rocky soil, there's the thorn bushes, and then there's the good, rich soil. What do we know from this parable? That if you throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, something will stick. (laughs) You see that at least 25% of the the soil that was hit, which is Mm -hmm. the good soil, it received the seed, and it yielded an increase. Right. The hard path didn't, the the thorn bushes didn't, the Mm -hmm. rocky path didn't, the the stones didn't. And so the other produced, the others don't. So you see a principle there of of this return. There's your return, right? So understanding Pareto's principle, right? Seeing the example of Jesus, we've seen a few of those. The question that seems to follow most of the time when someone starts to get their mind on on this is, okay, then how can I maximize the 20%? How can I make the most of it? Because the notion is that if we can take the 20% and invest in them, talking about Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. you know, work with them and therefore be more efficient or productive or whatever, um, but if it's the same 20% of the people all the time, which you just alluded to that, all the time... Over and over, that's when burnout happens. Yep. That's when burnout occurs. And so I would say to managers and leaders and pastors and you know people that are responsible for people, the Pareto principle doesn't imply that it's the same 20%, just that it, it's, it's 20%. It's mm-hmm. not the same people that have to be the part of the 20% all the time. It's just the principle is about 20% of the people will do 80% of the work. Right. So be aware of that. Understand that. There will be turnover. Mm-hmm. There will be changes. Um, so we may also wonder, well, how do we motivate the 80%? Like if, if only 20%, but you know, it's not 100. And welcome We're not to, to every podcast about how to be a better leader. <laughs> So here's the real question, and this is where you were just kind of, I think, tiptoeing into this. Imagine a church, Josh, led by the Holy Spirit, where the 80-20 rule grows. So where people are drawn in to find Jesus because they have been equipped, Mm -hmm. right, to lead and to pour into others, and, and where community is being modeled, because that's what people crave, whether they even know it or not, like they crave to be known, um, where love is the currency that is spent, mm-hmm. right? And suddenly what happens then is that a church of 400 with 80 people serving and leading and investing, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. 80 is 20% of 400. Um Imagine that because of that investment, now the church is 500 and you've got 100 people. Mm-hmm. Or it becomes a church of 800 where you've got 160 people. Or right. it becomes 1,000 and you have 200 people. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that 80-20 principle can grow. Mm-hmm. And, and the Pareto principle, it's, it's not, you know, like it started out with kind of some negative news, like, you know, 20% of the criminals, you know, do 80% of the crime. But... This is a possibility, and I love that this is like, when I look at it with the church, I think of like maturing. I think, oh, this is good news. This is discipleship. This is people stepping in to use their gifts. This is people finding out what their gifts are, and then, you know, yeah, we want to keep it simple and review it often, you know, do it with excellence and review it often, but but as we increase, then there will be the opportunities for ministry and, and, and things to do that... You know, like I said, we were looking for a, a staff person. Like, what God? What are you going to do in the future? Where we see this opportunity? Well, obviously, you're going to bring someone along to fill that opportunity because right. the four of us 
can't really do it. Nope. Not for any kind of sustainable time. Nope. And so, like, what does that look like? So here are these possibilities. And so from a church ministry perspective, what I love about Luke 15, 4, and the 99, you know, to 1 Jesus principle is, well, one, I love it because Jesus does that for me. Mm -hmm. But when you're able to increase the 20%, then that many more mature followers of Jesus. Right are able to see when one wanders off mm -hmm. and go, oh, hey, there goes, there goes Josh. We haven't yeah. seen Josh in a while. Where's Josh been? He hasn't, we haven't seen him at community group. You know, he wasn't here last week. He was on the serve team, but he couldn't be, hey, someone check on Josh. Because you know what? Shannon might not notice that Josh isn't here. I would notice if you weren't here, but, you yeah. know, the other, but, the other Josh. But no, right? seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, how are you supposed to notice? <laughs> yeah. If someone hasn't been here in three weeks. Yeah. Now, there are people that you go, oh, I haven't seen them. Sure. Like, there, there yeah. is a circle that, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say it's a circle that you've established. It's just kind of, it was pretty much established for you. You really mm -hmm. didn't pick people. But, like, there are people that you notice if they're here or not. Yeah. I have yeah. the same people, too. Well, and you know who those people are for me, usually? It's the leaders, yeah. Because those are the people I'm communicating with and investing in and talking with and trying to equip them and help them. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and then I've got like people I've done community with. Right. I've, I've been in community groups with them in the past, yep. or I'm in with, in with one now, and I'm like, hey, you know, what? I haven't seen so and so, you know, or, or mm -hmm. you know, Bye checking sure. up on yep. so and so, like that kind of thing. So, you know, I just I see this principle, and I, you know, yeah, we can throw Pareto's name on it, but it's a principle that I see Jesus living out. And I just think it's something that's really interesting for us to think about in, in our lives. Um, and how, I mean, there's this whole deal and I'm sure you've, I know you talked about it and learned about it in school, but like just how you do time management. Yep. Um, you know, if, if you're only getting, you know, this kind of a result, like how much time will you spend on this? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, there's just, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I think if you've done like six sigma stuff, you've talked about the Pareto principle. I know, but um, but for me, like I said, in the church ministry perspective, I, I love I see the Pareto principle, but I love the Jesus principle as well. I don't think they I don't think they contradict, <laughs> um, but I just see the opportunity to shepherd more people and to lead more people to Christ, which is leads us right into. Uh, what we're going to be talking about as we start this new series. On new Sunday. series. New series alert. Um, so we're starting this series called The Eight Traits of a Disciple. And uh, we're going to be doing a study of the book of Acts. And um, we're going to be looking at eight different traits that we find. Hey, guess what? From the book of Acts. And we're going to wow. talk about them each week. Yeah. I know. It's it's so novel. And, work. Yeah, it is. Um, but what I really love is with the series, every week there's going to be some kind of action step that we offer to the listener, to the person in worship, you know, to the ministry partner. How I mean, whether you're just checking it out for the first time, it's, it's not an impossible ministry or uh, action step for anybody. Um, and actually the first week we're, got, we're double barreling it. It's a two-parter in ways. They're very similar though, is we're asking people, Hey, we want you to, we want you to take this step into community. Yep. Um, check out community groups. I want you to take a step into uh, considering serving, being right. on a serve team, um, which I think those go hand in hand. I think being on a serve team is being in community. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, but I just love that, you know, this is where we're going. And, and I think um, I'm very excited about the series. I'm excited about the community groups launching. Uh, we have um, 10 adult groups. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got two different college groups. One's like a Sunday morning and one's a Monday night. And we've got two high school, we've got a guys and a girls high school groups. Um, and I think I'm, I think I've said them all, but like, this is, this is in many ways, we talked about this just a minute ago is like, it's kind of like the rebirth of the yes. birth yes. <laughs> of, of community groups, um, because they are part of our essentials. Um, and they were the first to kind of the first casualty of, of COVID, um, for our church. And so we want to relaunch this and our, and get going. our, um, desire for them to succeed has not lessened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just, we just couldn't figure out a way to do it safely mm -hmm. and effectively. 
and in a larger scale. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. now that restrictions have come. <laughs> well, well, for now, knows? for now, restrictions have dialed back, <laughs> and we're and we're taking the opportunity to go forward with it. Yeah, yeah. And in six months, we might be having a different conversation. Yeah. But right now, we we know that uh, community is God breathed, and uh, the the only way to really grow your faith is, is mm-hmm. community, and it's so important. We put it in the name. Uh, some people right. think we talk about it too much, and those people... Community, community, community. And I would say to Jesus those people, you. are you in community with other believers? Jesus loves you. Community. Yep. Community. Um, so join, join a community group. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. am... Both of both of me and Shannon are both leading community groups. Yep. I've been in one. I've been in, yeah, uh, two... Um, like just recently that I wasn't leading, which was w- gloriously wonderful. Um, and now I am going to be leading one. Uh, it's a little bit smaller group. I'm purposely keeping it smaller than even maybe some of the other groups. So I think we've got like, as of, as of recording, we have two spots left. So it might be closed. Uh, it might now. be, but, uh, you can go to the porchcc.com and click on community mm-hmm. groups Yep. and, um, and find out what's available. But you're going to be able to, we're going to talk about this on Sunday. So there's going to be a really practical opportunity on Sunday. Um, and to like see, hey, who are these community group leaders? Because they might be total weirdos and I don't want to go to a community group with them. Well, you get to check out the weirdos this Sunday because um, they're going to be available. For and we can call them at. weirdos because we are two of them. We is one. Yeah. So. So anyway, hey, um, thanks for hanging with us. I would love to find out if today's topic was just like, n- please don't do that ever again. But well, I, yeah, I mean, it did raise one like staunch question in my head. Yes, it's like, am I going to be one of the ones that is consuming the content, the programming, the ministries that mm-hmm. the twenty percent yeah is creating, uh-huh. or am I going to help grow that twenty percent and ultimately help grow the church? Yeah, because those two things grow proportionally. Okay, can I throw another thing in there? Then? Yeah. What if you were both? Well, that that would be ideal. <laughs> yeah. But usually... Yes, usually I, I hear what you're saying. if you're a consumer, you're not you normally... If you're just a consumer, you're... Not, not a contributor. A, not yeah. a contributor. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's easier for, to be a consumer than a contributor. Oh, always. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad that that brought that question to your mind yeah. because that's I think the point of it, point and of it all. So it's kind of the point of acts. Yeah, it, hence the name. It was so <laughs> important they put it in the name. <laughs> they acted. They acted on it. Yes, they did. Well, hey, porch community, thanks for hanging with us today. I hope that uh, this helped you in your 167, and we look forward to uh, seeing you on Sunday and talking with you again, Josh. As always, thank you for your fine work, sir that you do. Thank you, Shannon. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.